welcome in Steve Ashburner once again to the program from NBA.com. Steve, uh, on a busy day, thanks uh, for taking some time to hop on once again on Sports 1440. Uh, sure, thanks for having me on, Kevin. Do, do you think it's going to be a really busy day or did we see a lot of the movement already, Steve? Well, that's a good point. I mean, um, that there was sort of a uh, uh, eagerness uh, with which uh, some of the teams embraced uh, this trade period, and yeah, we did see some some you know big movement. Um, you know, the Pascal Siaka move uh, from the Raptors and uh, Terry Rozier down to Miami, things like that. So yeah, I think I think that if people just look at today, they might think, well, that wasn't all that much, but. When you add it all together, that's a fair, it'll be a fair amount of movement. I think. I think today will be relatively busy. It might not be marquee names, almost assuredly won't be. But I think there'll be a lot of uh, you know tweaking around the edges of rosters, and I think some of the sellers you know need to clean up their their financial reports and um, you know and have things set for summer rather than lose players to uh, unrestricted free agency. I think that that's a prime motivator in these sort of deals. Uh, now that you mentioned it, Steve, how do you think the Raptors did with their two big trades, uh, OG and Pascal uh, Siakam uh, earlier, you know, last month and things like that? Well, I like both those players that are gone. I, you know, Ananobi is a, um, to me, a, an annual, um, a perennial, frankly, uh, all NBA or all defensive player rather. And, um, you know, I think he's fit in very nicely uh, with New York. Um, Siakam seemed like it was just sort of a time for a move. Um, they needed to change things up the way they uh, envisioned their roster in Toronto going forward. It seemed like he was going to become, you know, just too expensive and, and expendable. So that was a move that made sense. I do like, I do like uh, RJ Barrett and, uh, Emmanuel quickly in terms of what they got in return. So, I mean, that part of it, the Ananobi trade, seemed to be a positive for both those teams. And I guess we'll see what happens. I mean, there's a lot of talk that, um, you know, Bruce Brown will be, you know, sent elsewhere. And, and who knows? I'm not sure what the size you know, long-term uh, vision for that team is, but um, so far so good. So do you like the, the, the route, uh, the direction that the Raptors are taking here moving forward, uh, Steve? Well, to me, it's a little bit hard to figure out. I mean, you know, they assembled a whole bunch of interchangeable six foot nine guys, and that was going to be the future. Mm-hmm. And um, then that didn't quite, you know, pan out. And so now they've made these sort of moves. And and so I'm more in a wait and see mode on on them. I, I don't really, I don't know what to project for them in the, uh, uh, you know, in the Eastern Conference. I mean, Fred Van Vliet being gone, being a helpful piece with the Houston Rockets as they sort of order their operation, um, you know, from point guard out to, uh, to the younger uh, pieces around him, you know, so no, I, I, I can't, I can't make any sort of proclamation. I give them an incomplete at this point. Yeah, it, it, you're right. It's hard to, to make a gauge on things again with all the draft picks and things moving forward. Steve Ashburner, NBA.com is our guest on the Kevin Carey show on sports 1440. Steve, what did you make of the trade uh, yesterday between the Celtics and the Grizzlies? Well, Xavier Tillman is a. I think he's a really helpful rotation player. I think he gives them a little bulk up front. You know, he's a strong player. Um, they need more than to run Al Horford at his at his age into the into the hardwood now. And I, I just think that that's 
um, that's a big help for Boston. It gives them a facet that they needed. So, you know, when, when you're as good as, as the Celtics are, to be able to, you know, fine-tune like that uh, positionally, I mean, it's just going to make them more formidable. Mm-hmm. With Philadelphia, injury problems uh, just recently arising, do you see them making a, a little more of a splash, trying to get a couple more depth players here moving uh, today? I think Philadelphia could be as active as any team okay. today. Um, they have they have identified you know various needs. Um, you know they need shooting. They obviously have to account for uh, the center position uh, while Joel Embiid is out for however however long that is. And I mean, so that has them, I think, shopping for anything from a direct replacement. Not nearly as good, but I mean, if they were to. To, to pry Andre Drummond loose from Chicago, for instance. Um, you know, that's a guy who could, you know, sort of fill Embiid's shoes, um, you know, at least on the boards and, and uh, you know, cleaning up around the basket. Uh, he's not Joel Embiid in terms of an offense initiator or uh, somebody that the other team's game plan for. But, I mean, they need, you know, so they need pieces up and down. I mean, this has been a tough um, goal of it for the Sixers with, with injuries and you know they had so much early success and, and the the unloading of James Harden seemed to work wonders for them but now they're sort of in the thick of the uh, you know the Eastern Conference race and if they slide out of one of those top four spots you know and they finish you know fifth or lower that's going to be considered a disappointment and a tough way for them to uh, to advance in the postseason. NBA.com's Steve Ashburner, our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Uh, with your um, closeness to the Chicago Bulls, do you see the Bulls uh, being quite active today? And you, you mentioned a player just now. You know, I, I, the Bulls are funky. They're very passive-aggressive. And um, they they should be sellers in uh, you know in today's market. That's, that's pretty clear. But with Drummond, okay, maybe they'll make a move, but they might have fallen in love with him, um, you know, a couple nights ago when he had a big game against Minnesota. They put him out there sort of for nostalgia and for showcasing, and then he had a big game, and, you know, they, they tend to um, stick with the status quo a lot with this Bulls team. Alex Caruso, for instance, is a guy who would be a godsend to, you know, several contending teams, but the Bulls are in love with the guy. They, they like him in the community. They like him around the locker room. I mean, he's, 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 a, he's an asset. There's no doubt about it. But as far as where they're going or not going in the standings, um, he's kind of a luxury. And, and yet they're, they're looking for two first-round picks for Alex Caruso. Good luck with that. Um, and then, you know, Zach Levine, the guy that should be traded because uh, his limited production and uh, his massive contract, well, now he's hurt. So, you know, that chills any market for him. I don't think he is a way forward for the Chicago Bulls, but they seem to be, you know, uh, stuck with him after committing, you know, a, a huge amount of money to him. So, um, yeah, they're a funky team. I mean, it, it, they seem almost like they'd be satisfied with a play-in spot. And really, I mean, as the number third market in, in you know, the U.S., um, you know, with the tradition they have with Jordan and company, um, they should be aiming a lot higher than that. Steve Ashburner, NBA.com, is our guest on Sports 1440. <laughs> Steve, when you look at the Western Conference standings and how tight they are up top, how much of a bearing does that, you know, it's just like it's just savage, it's cutthroat. How much of a bearing does that have on what teams might be making a move here in the next few hours? 
Well, you know, it could, but but really, um, I look at the top four teams right now, and I'm not so sure how much they need. Um, I think Oklahoma City could benefit from um, more size. I, I just don't think that Chet Holmgren at center is is big enough. He's a he's a he's a four. He's not a five, and and so they could really use a big body. I mean, you plug in Andre Drummond or. Jonas Valanciunas, you know, somebody like that in Oklahoma City, and that's a big boost, but they got to get it done. Now, they've got tons of, you know, draft capital to be able to, to move if their GM, who loves that sort of stuff, um, is willing to part with something. So, yeah, I would think Oklahoma City would, would be able to fine-tune itself. Minnesota just made its move for a backup point guard with Monty Morris, and so I think that that's the, that's the Wolves' primary um, – adjustment heading down the stretch of this season and that might be enough for them they they have to grow up from within i think minnesota has just got a sort of an immaturity Denver seems like they could stand pat they don't seem too worried about anything outside themselves and frankly the clippers um i don't think that they're in any desperation to make a move so there are some big teams in the west that you know we're, we're hearing about on the trade front but not those top four right now yeah. Is there a team like just below the Clippers, like either, you know, Phoenix, maybe Sacramento that might say, you know what, we can maybe push to get to where that upper echelon is to to decide to make something happen here? Well, sure. I mean, Phoenix, you know, to me, they they just need depth. They're they're not a very impressive team once you get past, you know, their starting five. Um, They they need a better bench. And um, Sacramento, I I think they're they're more in an internal funk kind of a thing. I I think they, too, have a lot of talent. The teams in the the West that I think are, you know, going to be most in play are um, Dallas and, and the Lakers and potentially Golden State, although it seems like Golden State is, you know, in love sufficiently with its young guys now that Chris Paul and Andrew Wiggins are the ones who, you know, might be on the move there. So, um, you know, the Lakers love to make a splash. LeBron always wants more help. Um, never seems, you know, willing to uh, dance with the one, ones that brung them. And, uh, and then Dallas is another team, in my opinion, that needs to, uh, to get bigger. Steve Ashburner, NBA.com. Uh, your, one of your recent articles just with the, the, the rising stars and the draft and everything like that. Uh, what did you make of kind of what went down there? Just for the All-Star well, game. Well, you know, yeah, I, yeah, I write, the, uh, I write our uh, weekly rookie ranking. Mm-hmm. So based on that, um, I kind of favor Team Pau Gasol, the, uh, the Hall of Famer who, uh, who is going to serve as one of the coaches of the rising stars. Uh, mini tournament. Um, he drafted four of the f- top five rookies, in my opinion, this season. So to have all those guys, plus a couple more, like Koulibaly from Washington and Cason uh, Wallace from OKC. I mean, that's a that's a, a loaded team as far as mm-hmm. class of 2023 that could um, you know be a, a real you know part of this league for a long, long time. So you know that's interesting. I, I you know uh, I like the game better when it was rookies against sophomores rather than this uh, conglomerate of, of four squads, one of them from the G League. I mean, it's all showcase for the league and its affiliates. Um, but uh, I mostly want to see one extra opportunity for Chet Holmgren to go against Victor Wembanyama. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will have four of them by the, the regular season by the time it ends. And then if we have a fifth on, on Rising Stars night, then that would be fun. Um, and, um, you know, we'll see what happens. Pau Gasol's team won last year, 
And so, you know, maybe he can start rising stars tradition <laughs> with a, uh, a dynasty uh, with a second straight uh, title. But, um, yeah, it's it's fun exhibition. Yeah. Uh, you know, we just had the NHL All Star Game, so we, we, you know everyone knows right. what it's all about, right? It, you know, it's not. It's about you know younger fans trying to you know get some interest. It's trying to get you know let's make the sponsors happy. That's what it's all about. No, you're you're exactly right. I mean, that's All Star Weekend is sort of a, a business convention for the NBA. <laughs> they take care of their partners. Um, a lot of there are owners that don't even want it in their market because their season ticket holders sort of get shoved to the side mm-hmm. as all of the um, all the suits and, and uh, corporation people, you know, come in. And that's fine, though. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's an extra it's an extra for any any team that has it. And, you know, a great sort of showcase for that market with the rest of the league. I mean, the people will be going to Indianapolis this weekend who are involved with the NBA, who do their darndest to stay out of Indianapolis during most of the season. They're not, they're not excited about that place, but now it's in Indianapolis and um, you know, a lot of people will be there and, and get to experience what I consider to be the best NBA arena uh, in the league. Yeah. I think, I think the field house in Indianapolis is just a throwback nostalgic kind of fun building yet with all the modern amenity amenities well steve you and i are of a, a certain ilk certain age where we remember things that go back a little bit and i was looking back uh, from all-star games past and things and uh today in 1986 was when uh, spud webb won the slam dunk competition and uh, how about that was you know you just think of that you know what five foot seven of them and i i just think that was still one of the most iconic moments uh, in nba all-star game uh History. Your thoughts? No, I think you're right on that, yeah. uh, Kevin. I mean, you know, for for a small guy to win that, I mean, unprecedented. Never would have thought mm-hmm. that um, somebody his size should even be in the contest. I mean, later on we got Nate Robinson, and that became wearisome because he would try dunks time and time and time and time again, and you're falling asleep. But Spud Webb was electric. I mean, that was just um, you know. And look, yeah, did he have an advantage? By you know being short, well not in dunking, but certainly in the minds of the scores and the and the crowd, and that all played to his uh, you know to his benefit. So um, that was a uh, that was a fun uh, sort of episode and elevated that dunk contest, I think, yeah, um, to a point where you know it was almost the best event around All Star Weekend for a long, long time. I think the three point shooting contest has you know has matched and maybe eclipsed that because we've seen. Mm-hmm so many dunks. I mean, there's only so much you can do against gravity. I still think, you know, my pet idea is that they should plant a seven foot defender in front of the rim. So the dunkers have to actually go against the defender. And then we get to see a little bit more of what, of what in game dunks are like, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you'd have to pay that guy a lot of money to be able to take all those poster moments. But um, you know, at least would, would put a little bit of juice in the, uh, the contest versus going against, you know, a ghost uh, under the rim. Steve, thanks for taking the time this morning. I, I hope it's going to get a little busy, uh, busier for you here in the next few hours as we approach the uh, 3 p.m. Eastern time deadline. Thanks for hopping on today. Well, I hope you have a lot of work to do today, too, then. Go there. <laughs> well, I, did, I didn't mean it like that, but, you know, it always it's, be- it's better that when there's a few things coming in than absolutely nothing for three, four, five, six no, hours. It makes, it makes it interesting. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right. Thanks, All Steve. Right, thanks Appreciate it. Me. Yeah, that's Steve Ashburner, NBA.com.